0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: How long did the rain end up knocking out your electricity?
0: It was like a full 24 hours. It finally came on Saturday night at like 830.
1: It must have been freezing.
0: It was so cold. We were all like huddled in bed together, like the grandparents and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory.
1: Oh, see, I was picturing the people in Survivor trying to stay warm oh, at night. With them. that too. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz.
0: That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive
1: the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk to H. Schuster about her groundbreaking new company, Hustle Up, and her podcast, Hustle Up the Big Break. Then we'll answer a mailroom question about how a TV writer lied her way onto more than one hit television show. Mm -hmm. Finally, this week's Hollywood Hack will help you exercise when you just don't feel feel like it Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) also Sarah big announcement my sister and co-host of happier Gretchen Rubin her book is coming out life in five senses on April 18th it's great I have of course read it But it would really be amazing if people would pre-order. The big thing that you can do to support an author is to pre-order their book. I have already pre-ordered Life in Five Senses. Hopefully you have pre-ordered it. Oh, I have. I'm so excited. I'm jealous that you've read it. (laughs) Yes, I have. At least one draft. I don't know if I've read the absolute latest. But anyway, so pre-order Life in Five Senses today. But first we want to remind everyone that on March 6 Fantasy Island is moving to 9 p.m. on Monday after 911 and that of course is on Fox and it'll be available next day on Hulu as always we're super excited to be following 911 and this episode Liz is the one that stars Marie Osmond Oh my gosh and Sarah she's everything you want her to be In front of the camera and behind the scenes. Just a lovely human
1: being. And speaking of behind the scenes, we are prepping a behind the scenes episode for Fantasy Island. So if you have any questions about any behind the scenes stuff, send us an email to happierinhollywood at gmail.com.
0: Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill desk Of, in which we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches, and this week, it's talking with Hustle Up founder and CEO H. Schuster about expanding diversity in entertainment. She also has a podcast.
1: H. Schuster is a senior media executive with more than 20 years of experience producing TV and leading divisions at major media companies and startups. She founded HustleUp to democratize and diversify access to the industry by connecting millions of creatives worldwide to each other and to the companies that need to staff them. The company's mission is to transform Hollywood's old click with one click. H has helped shepherd high-profile hits, including
0: the Kardashian franchises The Biggest Loser, Master Chef, Tabitha's Salon, TakeOver, and others. Of course, I've seen all of those, Sarah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and Liz, you and I have known H for like 100 years. Soon after we moved to LA, we were in this incredible writers group, and H was in that writers group. So I feel like she's, you know. She was one of our
2: first friends in LA. Yeah.
1: H, welcome. It's so exciting to talk to you
2: today. Hi. It's great to be here, you guys. I, I I would like to see you in person, but on a podcast is like almost as good. <laughs> yes.
1: It's what we're used to now. That's right. That's it's right.
2: Sadly true. <laughs> well, it's super exciting to be here. I think you guys have created such an amazing podcast and I enjoy listening to it. And now I get to actually be on it. So that's very cool.
0: Well, and now you have your own podcast, which we will get to. But first, so you were a producer for many, many years, you've done it all, and then you've now pivoted to creating Hustle Up. Explain what Hustle Up is.
2: Yeah, you know, I spent a long time as an executive producer and then as a, as a C-suite executive overseeing people who made shows, mostly on the unscripted content side, but I started out in scripted and then, you know, writer strikes and other things take you in, in other directions. And the thing that was really clear to me was that technology has really transformed the way the entertainment business distributes content from podcasts to streaming to gaming. But the way we we make the content and specifically the way we source talent to make the content is still pretty old economy, right? The biggest piece of technology we use to find a writer, a producer, an editor, a composer is a telephone and it's often plugged into a wall. And that makes it really hard for, um, Folks who are staffing shows, especially as we make more and more and more content, and we are still making a ton of content, right? Even in the moment of mm-hmm. contraction, all of these networks, streamers, fast channels, they need content to drive viewers and and, and revenue. And it's harder and harder to find new folks who aren't working it's harder to find folks outside of your immediate click right you you make five phone calls you get five names you're making more phone calls if you don't know those folks to vet them you don't know if they're available there are a lot of pain points to staffing and on the other side of that there are a lot of new folks diverse folks and people out there who want to be in the entertainment industry who are talented who have strong voices and it's really hard for them to figure out how to get in and so we launched hustle up about a year ago in an invite only beta and we're basically a professional network for creative talent, professional creative talent. We connect talent to each other so that they can build community and generate opportunities among themselves with each other, uh, writing groups, finding writing partners, producing short films, crewing up their stuff, finding opportunities with fellowships and other things. And then we make that community searchable by our production company and studio partners so that they have a tool that makes it really easy for them to source the specific talent they need with lots of criteria from location, availability to work in other countries countries, availability date, the genres they work in, the affiliations, that the professional affiliations they have, and also their demographic information. So it makes it easy to connect with diverse talent uh, and to keep your, your hiring pipeline really diverse. And so this is not just for writers. It's also for crew. That's right. Correct. So our goal eventually is that uh, we will have everybody in Hollywood on Hustle Up and that a production company or a producer will be able to staff their project from top to tail, right? Right. We focused initially on writers, producers, and directors, the the holy triumvirate, because those folks hire each other, and they also hire what's called below the line. And now we're starting to see editors coming in, composers, art department, uh, lots of great creative talent that makes a creative project, TV, film, et cetera, possible. And eventually, we will also be bringing in camera folks, key grips, sound ops. Those folks are already starting to come in through referral invites. When you join, you get five referral invites to send out to your colleagues and collaborators. And I think what's really cool about our current talent base, and we have thousands of people already on the app, um, is that 65% of our members have opted in to tell us that they're diverse in at least one way. Mm. And we imagine our diversity is even higher than that. Some folks have probably chosen not to share their information with us. And so what that means is, is that when you come in as a production company or studio, and we have over 50 production company and studio partners now in the beta, you are tapping into a really diverse uh, talent pool. So, can people for our listeners can they join Hustle Up now, or do you
1: have to have an invitation? From someone who's already on Hustle Up? How does that work? Yeah,
2: that's a great question. You can download right now. We're uh, mobile first, so we're on both uh, iOS and Android. You can download the app, make your profile, and if you have an invite code, you can enter it. If you've gotten a referral invite from a current member, you can enter it. And if you don't have an invite code, you'll go to our waitlist and we will take a look and vet that waitlist on a regular basis. Our waitlist runs about 200 to 500 people at a time, and we let folks in on a really regular basis. Our goal right now is to focus on folks who are already working in the entertainment industry at any level from PAs and assistants and APs to executive producers and showrunners. And we let folks in on a really regular basis. And eventually we will come out of the invite-only beta. And when we do that, we will uh, have a rising tier for more aspirational talent, folks who are still in school, who are working in other industries while they try to break in. And those folks will have the opportunity to build their community and find their first opportunities on the platform.
0: It's interesting, H, because I was going to ask, ask you what has changed in hollywood and what hasn't yeah. but from what you're saying what i'm gathering is it's really that it's this sort of access point People, the desire is there, but it's finding the those diverse voices to hire. I mean, do you agree with that?
2: Yeah, and I think you know, you guys will have a really strong sense of this. The business has changed profoundly from when we all came into it, right? There are a lot more points of distribution. More content is being made. It's somewhat disaggregated now, even though you have a lot of consolidation on the buying side. But what hasn't changed is is access, right, for the creative talent side. Um, um, we really need to sort of democratize and diversify how people get access to this business. Zoe Marshall, a writer who's on the WGA board, I actually just saw her yesterday at an event. Uh, she was an early tester of our product and she had a great phrase. She said, we're an unprofessional profession, right? You go to law school, you go to <laughs> dental school, you know how to become a dentist, you know what the steps are. You know, you go to school to, to be a, a, in film or TV or, or podcasting or any other creative endeavor. You know, you graduate school, you put all your stuff in the trunk of the car, you drive across the country, you sleep on your friend's couch in Silver Lake, you're waiting tables, you're trying to find the UTA job list, which is still an attachment to an email. Um, you know, you, you spend three years. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna find this moment of serendipity. You know, Steven Spielberg's gonna sit in my section at Craig's, and I'm gonna pitch him my idea, yeah. and you know, it's gonna go great. <laughs> I'm gonna meet Sarah and you know, and and Liz at an event, and, and they're gonna you know, they're gonna take me under their wing as an assistant. Whatever that moment is, right? But it's it's a moment of serendipity, and if it doesn't happen, you put all your stuff back in the trunk of your car, and you drive back to name your your state, Ohio, wherever it might be, uh, and you're back in your mom's basement, right? And, and then you go to law school. <laughs> I did it the other way. I went to law School first and then I came to LA. So I have my fallback <laughs> plan. But you know, I, I think that what we're really trying to do is make it much easier to network, to build community, to find those opportunities with each other, to generate opportunities, and then to connect with jobs at companies who might not have ever known you were there and that you had a skill set that they really needed. And so it is all about access in a way. And we're we're actually, I should say, we're mobile first right now, but we're about to launch for desktop and laptop. And the desktop and laptop suite of tools will be really, really sophisticated for production companies and studios to be able to search for talent and find great people.
1: What I think is so great about hustle up is reports come out about diversity in Hollywood and it'll seem like one year it's up 2% and then the next year it's down 1% and then the next year it's up 3% but and then the next year it's down a percent like it just doesn't it's such a slow frustrating process and hustle up is really giving people more access and giving people like us more opportunity to hire as many diverse people for whatever, whether it's a writer's room or a crew, as possible.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, those reports are really interesting because, you know, the headlines get, you know, put out and some of our partners like Women in Film and TTIE, they're really involved and they're really trying to make a difference in those numbers and they're really trying to get the information about those reports out there. I think, you know, you have to parse the numbers too, right? Like last year it was like, well, women are more on parody in television, but the the shows that they make get much lower budget budgets. So, Mm. um, you know, I'm sure you guys have experienced this, right? You're a female showrunner and your show somehow doesn't get the same amount of money as the show across the hall. Sometimes that has to do with genre and the kinds of genres that women tend to get hired to produce and and write, as opposed to the kinds of genres men get hired to produce and write. There's still a lot of uh, uh, gender disparity in terms of that. So, you know, you have to look at a lot of different elements of these reports. And I think, you know, one of the things that we believe is going to be really valuable about Hustle Up we reach scale is that we will, to your point, Sarah, have a lot of data that we can share with the industry anonymized statistical data where we can say here's how we're doing based on the numbers that we're collecting and I think on a more specifically uh, uh, individual or granular level production companies and studios will be able to with the with the suite of tools that we're releasing look at a particular project look at everybody on their staffing roster who they have staffed on hustle up and pull a report that shows how they're doing on diversity right which is useful to make your shows better and more diverse it's also Useful when you want to apply for an Emmy Award or Academy Award, and you need to show diversity. Mm. It's also useful when you want to apply for a tax incentive that's based on diversity. So we're trying to make it easier for people to staff diversely and also to be able to report on that in ways that are are useful to the industry.
0: Okay, and now H, you have a podcast to go <laughs> along with this because you don't have enough to do. Um,
2: tell us about the big break. Hustle up the big break. I love the title tell us about it. Yeah, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm following in your footsteps, ladies. I, 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 I'm i <laughs> doing my best. I have to say, I didn't realize how nervous I was going to be until I did the first podcast. And then I was like, oh, gosh, this is really hard. You know, we, we basically wanted to talk to folks working in various aspects of entertainment who have reached sort of a place in their career where they can reflect back and talk about their experience of breaking in. What was it like to start out? What were the hacks they used? What were the trials and tribulations they faced? And to sort of talk about how they have built their career and what are the important elements that they have found in building a successful career. I just interviewed uh, or had a chat with uh, David Eilenberg, who's the head of content at the Roku, uh, at Roku Media. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that David talked about was being kind and good to people and building a reputation for being, uh, as I call him on our podcast, one hell of a nice guy. Mm -hmm. You know, previously talking with uh, uh, Fenton Bailey, who's the co-founder and co-CEO of World of Wonder. They obviously do Paul's drag race and Eyes of Tammy Faye. Lots of great shows and uh, and movies. And and you know he was talking about how as a queer man in production, you know as a producer, you know he really sees pop culture as queer culture and how all of their projects kind of are imbued with this kind of queer sensibility, queer queer point of view. Um, And so it's been great because I've gotten to talk to a lot of people that I I already know in the industry and have much more in-depth and robust conversations about the things that are important to them. And I I hope that there's a lot of takeaway for our listeners about how to build their careers, whether they're starting out mid-level, looking to make a change, whatever it might be, that there's um, a lot of takeaway there. And also just some great stories, some really fun and interesting (laughs) stories.
1: It sounds like our listeners should be listening to your podcast as well.
2: Well, mm-hmm. listen, I, I'm we can, all for it. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: okay, H, we're just about out of time, but I just have to ask you because I am such a reality TV fan. That you know, <laughs> I I'm just I'm a member of Bachelor Nation.
2: I'm all of it. Reality TV. Thanks you.
0: Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> well, I'm just curious from your point of view because you've. You've done so much of it. What do you think the key ingredient is to a successful reality show, whether it
2: be a competition or not? This is interesting. I mean, this is a question I've asked on on Hustle Up's The Big Break. When I came into unscripted television, it was still just a a beginning uh, genre, right? I mean, it was still early days and you could sell a show based on, you know, a pitch deck or a log line. You'd go in the room and you'd say to the network, you know, we think it would be cool to do a show about a girl who goes out on dates with 12 guys, right? And The Bachelor mm-hmm. is sold or, you know, uh, let's put people on an island and see, you know, Survival of the Fittest. I think now it's it's much harder. The the genre is mature and, you know, there's a lot of content out there. But you look at, for example, the new uh, show in the UK, uh, Traders, The Traders, yes. you know, it's, it's an original format. It's done extremely well. Now, of course, it's going to travel the globe. And it's all about finding, I think, a format in terms of the formatted shows i'm talking about like the bachelor not not a docu series which is really contingent on finding characters but for a format it's all about i think finding the structure in which you can provoke people to do interesting things and have interesting reactions and that there are stakes in the game because it's essentially mm. a game and and that you're going to be able to cultivate and tell a great story, right? So, you know, for Survivor, it's probably a mix of great casting of contestants who you know are going to uh, have interesting conversations and conflict and alliances and allegiances in the wild, but then also putting together great structure and challenges and format to make sure that all of those uh, personality points come out in the course of the show.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, it's sort of like scripted TV where it's at the end of the day lightning and a boss. That's right. It's totally lightning and a <laughs> yes. boss. <bottle. We>
1: ha-
2: <laughs> but now I want to know what your startup question was. Now I really want to know.
0: Well, I will ask you. It was just that having a startup is just notoriously so difficult. So, I was curious what the hardest part has been for you. Yeah,
2: so I've been having a blast. Um, we're still a really early stage startup, but, you know, and and we have a very small team, but it has been so much fun to build this thing and to roll up my sleeves and have sort of a hand in everything from product design to marketing to figuring out, you know, what the pain points are with our customers. I think the hardest thing probably is raising money. Um, that's, mm. you know, gotten harder <laughs> as the economy has gotten more challenging. I will say we, we closed our seed round a few months ago. We over over-subscribed uh, our seed round, which I was really happy about. And when we started to raise, I said to some of my early advisors, I want to raise from all diverse venture capital. And they were like, you're out your mind. And, you know, basically that's 1% of of venture money or about 1% of venture money is diverse. Um, And I'm happy to say we closed our round with all diverse funds. Mm. So uh, we took all diverse money that was also incredibly strategically valuable for us. But it was was challenging. I had never gone out and raised money quite in this way before. And you spend uh, – my wife was like, oh, my God, you just spent nine hours pitching the company, like, just back to back to back to back one call after another. So, you know, I, I, I'm lucky that I spent years pitching shows in television where I learned how to read the room and, uh, you know, graciously accept the no and move on and not, you know, want to crumble in a corner, uh, you know, uh, crying or, you know, uh, <laughs> pouring a scotch uh, mm-hmm. at, or, or maybe both, you know, and that that was challenging to, to go through that process. But it also was really helpful in terms of like, as I honed the message and and had to answer tough questions from very smart people, very smart VCs that helped me also recognize where we needed to go and what we needed to work on as a company. So,
0: mm. that is what's well, amazing that you've done that. We cannot wait to just watch Hustle Up, Blow Up, and Scale. Thank you. And to use it as well yes. in our in our careers so thank you H for joining us
2: everybody listen to hustle up the big break thank you it's been so much fun to see you guys even if it is on on a Mm. uh, on on a zoom Mm. Uh, and I hope that we get to break bread in person sometime soon ladies
1: Yes. yes so great to see you next up we are going to answer a question about a fellow tv writer who lied her way up the ladder but first this break It's time for our mailroom segment, and today we have a letter from Catherine. She wrote, just listen to Joel Stein's podcast with Peter Kiefer about Elizabeth Finch and her lies in the writer's room for Grey's Anatomy. Assume you guys know about this, and I'd love your perspective as it relates to running a writer's room. Oh, Liz. <laughs> yes. So many thoughts. Well, first, for for people who don't know, Elizabeth
0: Finch is a television writer who her, her big lie was really saying that she had cancer, a very severe cancer called Cro- sarcoma, and that she was battling it for years. And she sort of used that knowledge about cancer to kind of become, I guess, a star at Grey's Anatomy you'd mm-hmm. say. And that wasn't her only show. We we knew many people who worked with her on Vampire Diaries, which mm-hmm. is a show we were on uh, season two of Vampire Diaries. She came later. And it came out that she'd never had cancer at all and
1: that she had told many other lies. Many and like big lies, not just like, oh, I stubbed my toe. I mean, really like massive lies about her life and other people. And uh, and I think, you know, we should say, Liz, also, we don't know her. We have just, we know a lot of people who do know her. You right. think we met. I'm not sure. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, we, I, I think we met her at
0: an event because we knew about her, though, yes. for many years. Yeah. Because people would say, oh, my gosh, uh, there's this woman in our writer's room who has cancer. Uh, she almost died. She fought it. She's back. It's incredible that she's still writing while she is in chemo. So she she was known um, for all of these things that
1: she had dealt with. Um, should we go through a few of her lies? Ugh, yes. Well, aside from the cancer, she said that she had a friend who was killed in the Pittsburgh Tree of Life synagogue terrorist attack of 2018 that's and that she went and like like she left work and she said she was there and helping collect his body I think I mean it was just like Rub a very elaborate temple yes. yes
0: she claimed that her brother had committed suicide in 2019 but actually he's alive and a doctor in Florida she claimed she was being stalked and that someone had slashed her tires and and left like a knife embedded in her
1: door. Which that I just read a thing that says she still says that's true. So,
0: OK, <laughs> well, maybe
1: that's <laughs> true. Yes.
0: Just lie after lie after lie. And the thing is, Sarah, you know, we kind of snicker about it because it just, it seems so absurd once the truth comes out. Like, obviously, all of these things didn't happen to one person, and there were other signs, um, mm-hmm. I think, that she was lying. But, you know, there's so much pressure in Hollywood to sell your story. I mean, we talk about it on this podcast, sell yeah. your story. And I don't want to in any way excuse what she's done.
1: but. I do think there are a lot of people out there who embellish. Yes, I agree. And I think that they embellish because there is a tremendous amount of pressure to say, this is my personal connection to this. This is my personal connection to that. We are writers. We should be able to manifest ideas from our heads without actually experiencing them. That is our basically our entire job. But for me, the thing about her is she really hurt a lot of people. Like she damaged a lot of people's careers. You know, she accused people of things that they maybe didn't do and that damaged their reputation. She, it seems like, got people, at least one person fired in the room. She would kind of You know, because she was the expert who had cancer, she would be the person who silenced other people's ideas. So, like, she really had, I think, a measurable negative impact on a lot of people's lives and careers. Yes.
0: And, you know, an interesting fact is that at the same time that this all came out, Shonda Rhimes, who she was working for at the time when this came out on Grey's Anatomy, had another show on Netflix based on Anna Delvey, who is herself a notorious liar. Anna Delvey sort of went around New York saying that she was an heiress, and she scammed a lot of people out of money and and also tried to raise money um, for something she wanted to start. And that show, for anyone who wants to watch it, is ex- it's really entertaining. It's called Inventing Anna. Um, and Anna Delvey herself is very interesting. But I just thought it was like life imitating art, imitating life. Yeah. I thought, wow, this, this same show could be
1: about Elizabeth Finch. <laughs> True. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a mess. It's, and it's sad. I think it's sad, for her, it seemed to be about attention and power. Yes. And that's, you know, I mean, I guess that's Hollywood, but
0: it's, yes. you know, it's brutal. And it's not the first time it's happened. When we were starting out, Sarah, we were so envious of a writer named Riley Weston who was on Felicity. Felicity Felicity starred Carrie Russell as um, a a student at NYU. And we loved the show. And we're like, oh my gosh, look at this 19-year-old writer, Riley (laughs) Weston, (laughs) who's on Felicity. And there were all these articles about how they'd hired a college-age writer on Felicity to give it that real feeling of college. And then it came out that Riley Weston was actually 32 and she had <laughs> totally lied, if not about her identity, then certainly about her age. And she was busted. Yes.
1: So, yeah, she's not the first, but it's certainly a kind of an egregious example of yes. real lying, painful, damaging lying.
0: Yes. Making up your story is not something we recommend. No. Enhance what you've got. <laughs> Don't lie. Coming up, Sarah has a tip for working out when you're not in the mood. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for a Hollywood hack, And this week, the hack is... Fitness dice.
1: Yes. This is something that I got for Violet for Christmas, but it's really also for adults. It's just really fun. I think it came from Uncommon Goods, but this is not an ad. I'm not entirely sure. But it's dice, and you roll the dice, and... It tells you like what exercise to do, how many reps to do. So every day, if you do it over a series of days, you get a totally different workout. And it's kind of like, oh, what's it gonna be today? And it adds a little bit of whimsy and fun to your workout. And especially like, I mean, it's been raining for a hundred yes. years here, it seems like, which is wonderful. But if you're stuck inside going like, oh, I'm gonna do some fitness dice. They're very fun. Well, I love because it's
0: reframing working out into a game. And, you know, I love anything that's reframing. Yes. All right. Fitness Dice, we will link to those in the show notes. And now, Sarah, every week, um, one of us is going to offer a recommendation for a book or podcast or TV show or movie that we're loving right now. doesn't have to be something new, just something that we like I am recommending three podcasts this week. Um, All right, now, go these crazy. Are for, these are for <laughs> niche audiences. So you'll either love this and want to listen or have zero interest, okay? These are just what I'm interested in. <laughs> so for those who love The Real Housewives, I'm recommending Two T's in a Pod, which is hosted by Teddy Mellencamp and Tamra Judge, who are one's a former and one's a current housewife. I am recommending Bachelor Party, which is about The Bachelor, and it's just an amazing breakdown of The Bachelor, hosted by Juliet Littman and Callie Curry from The Ringer. And then, Sarah, for those who are interested in cults, as I am... I am recommending A Little Bit Culty, which is hosted by Sarah Edmondson and her husband, Nippy Ames, who are former members of the Nexium cult headed by Keith Ranieri, and
1: they were instrumental in exposing it. Okay, well, that one I am definitely interested in. The other two, probably not so much, but I am going to be all over that one. (laughs) Yeah, and it's about different
0: cults. So it's all about different cults and what people have been through, and it's fascinating. And the fact that they themselves have been through it Makes it even more
1: interesting. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you to our guest, Ate Schuster. Listen to her new podcast,
0: Hustle Up, The Big Break. Also, thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and
1: everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project.
0: Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and
1: Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. and Liz's is at Liz Craft. We also have a facebook group search for happier in hollywood on facebook to join in on the conversation until next week i'm liz kraft and i'm sarah fain thanks for joining us it's a fun job and we enjoy it liz have you been hearing this word "gropple"? No, I have okay. no idea. What is it? I've never heard this word in my life until this week when it, it it's like, it's not snow, it's not hail, it's not rain. It's ah. like some kind of mix of them. And people are all like, this is the grapple in my yard. Oh, my God. So it's we like a grovel, real word. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, we had hail.
0: Or grapple. It might have been grapple. Might have been grapple. It looked like tiny little snowballs. Maybe that was grapple. It's a mystery.
1: (laughs) From the Onward Project.